We're in a series right now called Best of the Best. Um, I have asked, and I'll be doing this throughout the year at different times, I have asked some of my best friends who are some of the best pastors I know, some of the best communicators I know, to do a message for Crossroads that's their best message. And last week we had Judd Wilhite, and he was incredible. This week we have my friend Gene Apple. Uh, Gene is someone I look up to, I respect, I learn from. Uh, he is one of the best uh, communicators, one of the best leaders, one of the best pastors I know. And he agreed right away to do a message on heaven that's one that God has used that's incredible. You need to hear this. Friends need to hear it. It's not too late. Uh, text people to watch with you. Uh, call people to watch with you. Because what Gene's going to share is what you and I need to know about the hope we have that one day will be real if we love Jesus Christ. So I want to pray before we get to hear from my friend, the senior pastor of Eastside Christian Church, Gene Apple. Father, I pray right now that this message that Gene has shared before but now is sharing with us in a personal way would be one that would bring hope, would be one that would cause our focus to go to the right place, eternity, and so that we know that we're not living temporary lives, but we can live an eternal life with you, filled with love, filled with strength, filled with power. And we're going somewhere better one day. So I pray you'll use these words to bring comfort, to bring motivation, to bring us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Chuck and Crossroads family for this opportunity. You have no idea how excited and thrilled I am to be a part of this series. I love Pastor Chuck and Pam and have so much respect for them. I mean, you do know you have one of the great pastors in America, don't you? Uh, Chuck is just the best. And I have so much respect for this church. You know, I serve Eastside Church uh, based in Anaheim. And I just feel like... Crossroads and East Side are like first cousins with each other, and, and it's just good to be with family today. Now, now, before you start adjusting the sound on your TV or smartphone or computer, I, I know the question you're probably uh, wondering right now is, Gene, is that your real voice? Do you, do you really sound that way? And, uh, you know, I'd give the audio team today 100 bucks if they could make me sound like Barry White, you know, kind of, Jesus loves your baby, something like that. But... Uh, Instead, when God was handing out voices, I got one that sounds like I've been inhaling helium for four days, so that's what you're stuck with today. Now, I want to talk to you today about a subject matter we don't talk about very often, and that's heaven. Even though life can be difficult, painful, confusing, wounding, frustrating, and deep inside, we, we frequently long for something more, I think the honest truth is that the thought of heaven is not all that attractive for many of us, at least how we picture it. So, so we don't think about heaven much. The followers of Jesus who lived in the first century, who were under constant persecution, they thought about heaven all the time. They were living under the persecution of Nero, and nearly every follower of Jesus had friends who had been beheaded or fed to wild animals. They had friends who had been dipped in vats of boiling oil and burned alive for their faith as torches at Nero's garden parties. So they often talked about the blessed hope of heaven. And frequently they just prayed, come back quickly, Lord Jesus, come. The apostle Paul said to die is gain. 
during one of the darkest periods of American history, African American slaves who had nothing else to look forward to often sang about heaven. I looked over Jordan and what did I see coming for to carry me home? A band of angels coming after me, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. But I think if we were honest, we would have to say the hope of heaven doesn't appeal near as strongly to us as it does to people who live in more difficult circumstances. Even through COVID-19, compared to many parts of this broken world, many of us still have it pretty good right here. We don't live in poverty compared to half the world. We all live in affluence and comfort. We're not under severe persecution. And when we think of heaven, I mean, can we be honest? It just sounds boring. An endless tedium of cloud sitting harp strumming, standing around in a sing-along in the sky that just goes on forever and ever and ever. And if that's the case, maybe you think, I'd rather spend the weekend in Barstow than forever in heaven. Come on, friends, have you been to Barstow? I want to introduce you to a friend of mine that I brought with me today. He's he's under this cloth right here, Uh, obviously kind of a little guy. (laughs) This is Jaws. Walmart sells him with a, quote, three-day guarantee, no questions asked. Right now, I'm just hoping to get through all our services this weekend. Now, Jaws doesn't have a bad life in this bowl, but he just has no idea what he's missing out on. Do you think if he got a good look at this picture right here, he might be a little dissatisfied with life in the boat? I mean, wouldn't that lift his sights beyond the bowl a little bit? I think it would be almost like cruel and unusual punishment to show him this image. Look at all these little goldfish just having the time of their lives. Can't you just hear them singing, born to be wild? Jaws was not made for this bowl. And he looks through the glass looking for something more. And friends, you are created for something more, something more than this world than you can see right now. You know, Jesus taught that Satan is a liar. And the father of lies, that lying is his native language. And I think some of his greatest lies are about heaven. Randy Alcorn, in his terrific and mind-stretching book on heaven, writes, Satan need not convince us that heaven doesn't exist. He need only convince us that heaven is a place of boring, unearthly existence. And if we believe that lie, we'll be robbed of our joy and anticipation. We'll set our minds on this life and not the next. My wife Barbara and I took our first trip to Hawaii a few years ago for our 25th wedding anniversary. We saved and and looked forward to the trip for so long. For months, we looked at pictures of Hawaii. We we scanned websites. We reviewed images of hotels on TripAdvisor and marveled at the beaches and canyons and beauty. And we were so excited about it. But I can tell you, the pictures don't begin to do it justice. Paul wrote... In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Some of us have read that verse for years and we think, see, there's just no way to even begin to grasp what God has prepared for us in heaven. But that's not the end of that sentence. Paul completes the sentence and says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. 
That means God the Holy Spirit speaks through descriptions in the Bible to describe this amazing place called heaven for us. Maybe not exhaustively, but certainly accurately. And so today, I want to share with you some of the things we learn from God's word about what heaven is like and trust that God the Holy Spirit will help you imagine and anticipate that place. So what is heaven like? You need to know first, heaven is a place of love and relationships. Heaven is a place of community and connection and closeness. Jesus told the thief on the cross, this day you will be, what, with me in paradise. One of the things that's most attractive about heaven is, is who's there. People wonder, will we recognize each other in heaven? Absolutely. When Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus and the disciples in Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples had no problem recognizing Moses and Elijah, even though they had never met them, never seen their Facebook profile pic, and even though they had died hundreds of years before the disciples were even born. I can only imagine people who've lost loved ones to COVID-19, elderly who've died in nursing homes. And I know how much their family members are so looking forward to the love and relationships of heaven. Heaven is going to be a place of unbelievable reunions for families and friends and loved ones and spouses. And we'll recognize each other. Like the guy who was reunited with his wife who had died a number of years earlier. She was just showing him around heaven and, and said, isn't it wonderful? And he said, yeah, and I could have been here a whole lot sooner if you hadn't made me eat all that oat bran all those years. Listen, for some of you, your life has just been relationally hard. Maybe you grew up in a home where those who should have loved you unconditionally wounded you. Or maybe you've had a series of relationships that have all ended in pain. Or, or maybe you just lead a very lonely existence and for reasons you don't understand. You've had no connection, no closeness, no safety in relationships. Heaven's going to open up a whole new world and relational arena for you. Revelation 7 says there will be such a great multitude of people there that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language because heaven is a place of love and relationships and reunion and connection. Now, just as a sidebar comment here, some of you wonder if there will be animals in heaven. And the answer is dogs, yes, but cats, no. Sorry, that's just the way it is. No, of course, I'm just teasing. Actually, the Bible describes in Revelation 6 and 9, horses in heaven. Isaiah 11 speaks of the lion and the lamb and the wolves in heaven. And maybe there will be new species as well. Heaven will also be a place of intellectual growth and discovery. Some people assume that when you get to heaven, you'll just automatically know everything and there'll be nothing new to learn. Well, if that was the case, you'd be God. But notice Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might, notice this word, show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That word show means there will be a progressive, ongoing discovery as we learn more and more while we're in heaven. And this is very exciting to me to think that heaven will be a place of ongoing intellectual discovery and learning. There are so many unanswered questions on earth. I mean, think of being able to ask why certain things happened in your life that had no earthly explanation. 
You can hear God explain why certain tragedies were a part of his unfolding plan. You can hear Michael the archangel tell stories about going out on spiritual battles that we were completely unaware of or when we entertained angels without even knowing it. Think of all the things we're going to be able to learn in heaven. I mean, I want want to spend a day with Adam and say, I want to know the truth. What's the first thing you thought of when you saw Eve and she was naked? I know they couldn't put it in the Bible, but I, I want to know what the first thing he thought was. Imagine taking leadership classes from Moses. Imagine taking courage classes from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Imagine taking a preaching and teaching class with Pastor Chuck. Oh, don't laugh. I I think he's going to be there. Imagine being able to ask God, why didn't you get rid of Satan early? Help me understand how predestination really worked. What happened from your perspective, God, on 9-11 or during COVID-19? Friends, our minds will be keen, our intellects will be sharp, and heaven will be a place of intellectual growth and discovery. And it will also be a place of rewards. The Bible says we're saved by grace, not by works, so that no one can boast. Our belief determines our eternal destination. And while it's true we're not saved by our works, we will be rewarded for our good works in heaven. Our behavior determines our rewards. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 27, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward everyone according to what they have done. I like how Bob Russell describes it. A ball team has an awards banquet at the end of the year to acknowledge outstanding players. God is going to honor people like the Apostle Paul who suffered and contributed so much more than us pastors who have it so easy by comparison in America today. The godly husband who tenderly cared for his wife, who has Alzheimer's for a decade, is going to be rewarded more than the husband whose wife is healthy and he just takes her for granted. Those who've generously given away 10 or 15% of their resources away, All their lives are going to have more treasure laid up in heaven than those who've just given to God the leftovers. 1 Corinthians 3 says, Fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Heaven will be a place of love and relationships, intellectual growth and discovery, a place of rewards, and also a place with fascinating worlds to explore. Jesus said in John 14 that in his father's house, there are many rooms or many mansions, and it means many homes or many places to explore and visit. And I like that because I want to do some traveling when I get to heaven. And this universe is a big place. And in my opinion, it would be the height of arrogance to believe that the only place in the universe God is ever going to deal with is this third little planet from the sun we call earth eternity is a long time and the universe is big science says it's expanding and I want to get around it the Rocky Mountains the Grand Canyon Niagara Falls and the Great Coral Barrier Reef are all just a sneak preview of what awaits us in heaven the Bible talks about water trees light fruit animals in heaven heaven will be a place with fascinating worlds to explore and also heaven is a place of productivity and accomplishment revelation chapter 2 and uh, chapter 7 and chapter 22 point out that in heaven we will serve god first corinthians 6 says do you not know that 
we will judge angels. We don't die and become angels. Angels are different beings. But we will govern and rule over angels. Heaven will be a place where we will make important decisions and will work productively. Sometimes the Bible talks about heaven as a place of rest, and that has led some to falsely assume that like heaven is just eternal rest. And if you're exhausted right now, I hate to shatter your image, but heaven will not be endlessly lying around in hammocks sipping pina coladas in the sky all day. Now, if you think of work as a bad thing, it's probably because you're in a very dissatisfying or unfulfilling career or position that doesn't utilize your God-given gifts and capabilities. But in heaven, you could tackle projects that thrill you. Now, you might not be doing the same thing there that you did here because that might not be needed in heaven. For instance, since there's no death in heaven, there's no need for any funeral directors in heaven. Since there's no decay, there will be no dentist in heaven. Wait, I mean, they'll be there. They'll, they'll, they'll just be doing other things, probably operating a jackhammer or something like that. We will have an endless mission to glorify God with productivity and accomplishment. And friends, I want you to know also, heaven will be a place of joy and laughter. Heaven will be anything but a boring place. I mean, how can it be boring if the one who created this earth, the one who made everything, every animal, every mountain, the one who makes rainbows and giraffes and platypuses is there, and he's been anticipating your arrival. Heaven will be exhilarating and refreshing and fulfilling and thrilling. Everything good in this life that we see now will be perfect in the life to come. It will be better than you could ever imagine. One time, the late Billy Graham asked his wife, Ruth, if she thought there would be golf in heaven. <laughs> I know many of you are worried about that, right? And I loved her answer. She said, yes, if that's what it takes to make you happy. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 23, that the kingdom of heaven will be like a master who replies, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your masters. Notice the word happiness. It's joy and laughter. The Bible says a cheerful heart is good medicine. Did you read in the news a while back about Chet Fitch from up in Oregon who, who died a couple of months before Christmas at the age of 88? So imagine how stunned 34 of his friends and relatives were to get handwritten Christmas cards from him at Christmas. It read, I asked the big guy if I could sneak back and send some cards. At first he said no, but at my insistence, he finally said, oh well, what the heaven. Wish I could tell you about things here, but words cannot explain. And he signed it. I'll probably be seeing you some sooner than you think. Wishing you a Merry Christmas, Chet Finch. <laughs> you say, wait, whoa, wait a minute. What was going on? Chet Fitch was always playing practical jokes on his friends and he loved to laugh and, and he decided he would get the last laugh. So before he died, he arranged with his barber to help him play one more practical joke and his barber sent the cards on his behalf after his death. I think there will be a lot of Chet Fitch moments in heaven. Friends, the Bible has a lot to say about what heaven will be like, a place of love and relationships, a place of intellectual growth and discovery, a place of rewards, a place with fascinating worlds to explore, a place of productivity and accomplishment, a place of joy and laughter. But sometimes when the writers of the Bible would just run out of words for what heaven was like, 
they would move to words about what heaven is not like. The Apostle John was given a glimpse of heaven in the book of Revelation. And he wrote in Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4, he said, God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Listen, some of you live in physical pain in your body every day, but heaven will be pain-free, Advil-free, arthritis-free. You're going to have bodies that are quick and fit and perfect. No dentures, no counting fat grams, no drinking insure. Our deaf brothers and sisters who are watching this closed captioning will be able to hear perfectly. How fantastic is that? Our children with special needs will be healthy, whole, and able of body and mind. Our loved ones and family members who sit in wheelchairs and park in handicapped parking places will be able to run and skip. I can't wait for you. It's probably going to be awkward in heaven because for the first hundred years, when you see people for the first time, the only conversation will be, have you lost weight? You're looking good. Some of you who live with emotional scars and nightmares and memories and flashbacks and heartbreaks and disappointments that are overwhelming, even right now, none of them will be in heaven. There will be no anxious waiting rooms, no bloated stomachs, no nursing homes full of COVID-19, no empty tissue boxes, no tear-stained divorce papers, no motionless ultrasounds, no tiny caskets. And did you notice who the Bible says is going to wipe your tears when you get to heaven. The same hands that carved the mountains, the same tiny fingers that reached up from a manger, the same hands that touched the sick and made them well, the same hands that were nail-pierced for our transgressions will wipe away every tear from your cheeks. What a day that will be. Friends, one day will be your last day on planet Earth. Three people die every second, 11,000 every hour. Sometimes people die as a child. Sometimes it's not until they're nearly 100. It reminds me of the 95-year-old who said, I hope I die pretty soon or my friends who are already in heaven are going to think I didn't make it. But we will not escape death. And even though, even though it's hard to see on this side of the glass, on this side of the unseen world, there is something so much better and so extraordinary on the other side out there. And you don't have to fear it. If you have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, death is the gateway to life, real life, eternal life. Heaven is beyond our wildest imagination. At our most creative moment, in our deepest thoughts, when our highest minds are in full throttle, we cannot paint a picture of the world that God has prepared for us. It's indescribable. We can't do it. Revelation 19 says that the first day in heaven will be like the wedding of the Lamb. I've performed hundreds of weddings over the years, and to me, one of the most exciting moments is when the bride starts down the aisle and the groom sees her for the first time that day. Now, she has spent hours preparing herself. She has been at the manicurist, the hairstylist, the tanning bed. She's been spray painted at the makeup artist. She's looking good. She's prepared herself. And often when everyone is standing looking at the bride, I'll turn over to the groom and I'll say, what do you think? And sometimes they'll just say, wow, 
or she's gorgeous. Sometimes the transformation is so dramatic, they'll say, she's beautiful, but where's my fiance? <laughs> no, they don't say that. She's beautiful, why? Because she's prepared herself. Now, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. When did he say that? About 2,000 years ago, right? Can you imagine what he's been preparing for 2,000 years? It's going to be an incredible place, a forever kind of place. We were made for heaven, and when we get there, we will truly be home. I don't know about you. I love to go home. There truly is no place like home, no door like walking through the door of your front house, no coffee like drinking right out of your own mug, no bed like your own bed. There's nobody I'd rather be with than my family and the people who live in my house. After my dad's heart attack, when I was 14 years old, it became necessary to transport him by ambulance from the small hospital he was at in Park Rapids, Minnesota, to the bigger hospital in Fargo, North Dakota. And most of the family went to Fargo to meet the ambulance, except my brother Mike and I went back to the cabin to pack a few things, and then we were going to join the rest of the family in Fargo. Before long, a familiar car drove up the road. It was my dad's best friend. And I'll never forget it. And he got out, and he put one arm around me just like this, and one arm around my brother Mike just like this. And he said, boys, I've got some good news and some bad news for you today. The good news is your daddy's gone to heaven today. But the bad news is he isn't with us any longer. Friends, I can't wait to see my dad again. I can't wait to see my sister Gloria who left us way too soon when she lost her battle with lupus. My grandparents, I sure miss them. When I get to heaven, I'm going to be home. And I want to ask you to just try to imagine that place. Would you just open yourself to the work of the Holy Spirit in you to eliminate, illuminate a glimpse of heaven to you today? In a moment, the worship team is going to sing a song and, and help you. But before they do, I want you to imagine with me. In John's glimpse of heaven, he wrote in Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband, a bride. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And in that moment, let the worship begin. Can you fathom the magnitude of that moment when life on this side of the glass is in the past and heaven is your new reality? And in that moment, we will encounter our forgiver, our savior, and our best friend face to face. And you will see his nail scarred hands and you will witness the smile on his face and you will hear the words from his mouth Well done, good and faithful servant come home come on home what a day what a glorious indescribable unbelievable inconceivable day it will be
Friends, don't miss that. Don't miss that for the world. What a day that will be. You know, sometimes I pray that Jesus will come back soon. And then in the next breath, I think about some buddies of mine who, who mean a lot to me who don't know him yet. And as, I, as much as I feel like the Apostle Paul who said to die is gain, sometimes I just ask God, please hang on a little bit longer and please spin the earth one more time because some people I know and love aren't ready. First Peter tells us that the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. There is a road to heaven and you can find it today. I wanna ask you to bow your head with me right now and I just wanna ask you this question. Are you ready for that day? Some of you say, oh, I am, and today has helped me set my mind on things above. This has reminded me that my true home is not here. I'm a citizen of heaven, and I am so looking forward to that day. But some of you would say, I need to get on that road to heaven. I'm ready to get off the road that I'm traveling on and get on the road that leads to life now and forever. And if that's you, would you just pray this prayer with me today? Just silently right where you are. Just say, Jesus, today, I say yes to life and the hereafter. 
and the life you have for me now. I say yes to your grace. I say yes to your forgiveness. I say yes to the payment you made on a cross for me. You died for me. I want to live for you. I say yes to heaven forever. God bless all of you that are praying that prayer. And if you're making that decision today, would you let the team here at Crossroads know so that they can just encourage you? Just text the word amen to 69922. Amen to 69922. And they'll follow up with you and explain how you can take your next step of baptism. What a day this is for you. God, I find myself without words to express my gratitude and praise for that indescribable, inconceivable, unbelievable, inexplicable, incredible place that you have prepared for us. We can't wait to tell you thank you face to face. Between now and then, may we live every day with an awareness of what the stakes are for our lives and people that we love. And as we navigate this life, may we never forget that what is seen, and it gets so much of our time and energy and attention, it's temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. With our eyes on heaven, with our eyes on the hereafter, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Oh, man, I love that message. Because I think about heaven uh, probably more than most of you do. And I'm a little closer than a lot of you are to at least based on what I know. Because every one of us or actually could be a moment away, a heartbeat away, a breath away. And God wants you in heaven. But you have to commit your life to Jesus to get there. And Gene gave you an opportunity to pray that amazing prayer. And I'm going to ask you again to text in amen to 69922. When you do, we're going to interact with you. When you do, we're going to also, we would like to send you an electronic copy of The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren so you can know some next steps to take to live out your purpose now and really be more prepared for heaven. So text in, amen, to 69922. Interact with us. You can trust us with your information. And then we want to get you a copy of that book. It's one of the best-selling books of all time. And by the way, it's free. We just want to give it to you as a gift to help you take some steps to be closer to God. Uh, I also, again, want to say thank you to Gene Apple, who I think brought an incredible message. And and, uh, you know what? I hope you invite friends to watch you weren't able to watch.